Church, man. It is so good to see you today. I want to welcome everybody uh, to church, all right? And whether you're in Conway, Ayner, South Strand, Jay Rubin, online, wherever you might be tuning in from or joining in from, man, thank you for being here. And, and especially if you're new with us, we want to welcome you to The Rock. And, and I hope that you've taken a chance to, to stop by our new here tent, our connect wall, just to get connected. We would love just to get to know you a little bit more, tell you a little bit about the church, and just really help you find your place. You know, one thing we always say here at The Rock is we want to help everybody find what matters, and we believe that happens best when you connect with Jesus and you connect with others. So we've spent some time in worship already connecting with Jesus, and now we're going to try to do so a little bit more as we dive into his word, but we also definitely want to encourage you to connect with others, all right? Now, and, and then one other thing before I get started, can, can, can we just celebrate all that God did during Easter weekend at The Rock? I mean, come on now. I mean, it was a phenomenal weekend. People took the step of baptism, got connected. I know many of you had the take-home treasure map with your kids, and, and I just hope that was a great experience for everybody. So I want to thank our Rock staff for what they've done, but also so for all of you VIPs, whether you served in the parking lot or in coffee or band or production or kids or wherever it might have been, thank you for serving and helping people find what matters. All right, now, well, we're going to jump into a new series. And this new series, it's got a lot of words to it, okay? The new series is actually called, What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? And the series comes from a book that J.D. Greer, who's a pastor in North Carolina, that he wrote and I read a couple years ago. And I was just like, wow, this is an incredible book. And so I wanted to bring it as a series. So for the next four weeks, we're really going to dive into it. But, but I feel like the, the only way to really start is maybe to ask you that question. What are you going to do with your life? And I know some of you are like, I'm tired of being asked, right? Some of you are like, I'm tired of wondering. It's actually something that we all wonder about. Like when we're kids, we're like, well, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an athlete or I'm going to be a movie star or I'm going to be a fireman or, or, or I'm going to be a superhero. Like we dream like that as a kid. Like today's kids, that, that you think of things like I'm going to be a YouTube celebrity or I'm going to be a TikTok influencer. Like these are real things that, that we either do dream about or did dream about. And then reality hits, right? Like, like it just hits and we're just like, okay, um, well, I wanted to be an NBA star and I'm five foot six. Or, or I wanted to, to, do, uh, to be a musician, but I got no ability, right? Like, like reality hits. And then you start adulting. And then you start like getting close to adulting or adulting and everybody asks you this question. Like some of you are seniors in high school right now or juniors in high school and, and everybody's saying, hey, have you started thinking about college yet? Or are you going to work once you get out of high school? Like, what are you going to do with your life? And you're just like, leave me alone. Like, like those of you who are college students, people immediately ask, so, so what are you going to major in? Undecided for the 15th time, right? I'm going to change my major because I just can't decide what I want to do with my life. And then some of you are, are getting close to maybe graduation and, and people are saying, all right, so what's next? Do you have a job? Where are you moving to? What are you doing? And you're just like, leave me alone. It's real. 
Because like, like people ask and we stress. It's real. It happens. I know. So, so, so I, I want to make sure that we just, we recognize that and we, we come to a good understanding of, yeah, we're always wondering what are we going to do with our life. And, and there's many of you who are this gen and you're just like, thank God I'm ready for this series because I'm trying to figure it out. So I, I think it will be a great, great series for those of you who are this gen. But not just for those of you who are this gen. I actually think this is a major question we ask when we're kind of like in the middle of our life. We hit our late 30s, 40s, or maybe 50. We hit what, what Bob Buford uh, said, and he called it halftime, where you hit that kind of middle of your life, and maybe you've been successful and things have been great, but you're searching for something of significance. And, and I think there's many of us that are in that late 30, 40, maybe 50-year age bracket, and we're going, what am I going to do with my life? I've been turning a wrench. I've been, been punching some numbers. I've been hitting a time clock all of my life, and, and I'm ready for something different. You, you might be sitting there thinking, i, I got to figure this out before life is over. But, but so, so I think this series will be great for you, but not just for you, because it's not just this gen who needs to hear it. It's not just for those of us who are in halftime. It's also for those who, who have hit that point of retirement. Be, because when you hit that point of retirement, you've been kind of doing things all throughout your life. And then all of a sudden, maybe, maybe the schedule opens up a little bit, things change a little bit, and you find yourself asking that question, what am I going to do with my life now? Like, I don't want to just sit around. I don't want to just watch Q, QPC all day. Like, I, I got to figure out something to do, right? And so we say, what am I going to do now? So I really think that this is a timely, timely message, a timely series for everybody, no matter what age bracket you're in. Because what I believe is we all want to do something that matters, that we all want to do something that, that has worth. That we all want to do something that, that we can invest in and say, what I did with my time matters. So, so that's really where this series is going, is we're going to challenge you to do something with your life that matters. If you're this gen, do something with your life that matters. If you're retired, do something with your life that matters. If, if you're at that halftime, do something that matters. And you might be saying, okay, Josh, great, but, but what is that? Like, what career is that? Like, like, like do, I, do I need to go into ministry? Do I need to be a, a pastor? Do I, do, I, do I need to go on the mission field? Maybe. Or maybe you need to be a school teacher. Or maybe you need to be a homemaker. Maybe you need to be a mechanic. Or maybe you need to be a construction worker. Maybe you need to be a doctor or a lawyer or, or whatever it is. See, honestly, this isn't about your profession. It's about your attitude and about your life. So what I'm going to challenge you to do and what our other pa pastors are going to challenge you to do is with your life, don't waste it. I mean, maybe I can just say it that way. With your life, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Your life, yet too many times we are. Too many times that, that we're missing the opportunities that God puts right in front of us. 
there was a guy, he's a pastor, his name is John Piper, and uh, he preached a sermon back in 2000 uh, at one of the first passion conferences to, to well over 40,000 students, and, and he told a story about uh, two, two groups, it was two, two different uh, in, not individuals, there was a, a husband and wife, and there were two friends, two ladies, and they, they had both retired, and, and these two ladies, they, they were trying to decide what to do with their life, and they decided at retirement, let's go on the mission field. So they went to a third world country, and they worked with people in poverty, and ended up one day while they were driving down the road in their car, they lost control of their car, and went off a cliff and died. There was another couple that, that they had retired, and what they decided to do with their retirement is they took their money and their investments, they went down to Florida, they got themselves a beach house, and they spent their retire retirement collecting seashells. And many people would look at, at this couple and say, that's the way to spend retirement. And these friends, what a tragedy they had. But when he preached that message to those students, he said, the tragedy is, is we think this is what life is all about. And when we go there, we often waste our life. So don't waste it. Because as a famous philosopher whose name is Maximus said, what you do in this life echoes in eternity. And a different guy who really was a great theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this, that Jesus bids us come and die. Come and die. See, the reality is that, that we need to recognize that everything we do in life matters. So use your life in a way that echoes in eternity. And the way to make a difference in all of eternity is to come and die. To give your life to Christ in a sacrificial way where you say, I'm coming and I'm dying. There was a guy, his name was Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. And here, here's what he had to say, and I'll read his quote in a second. That, that he was a very wealthy man. And as a wealthy man, uh, he was trying to decide how to live his life. And, and he had a state. He was over in Europe, and things were great. And, and, and he was trying to figure out what to do. And one day, he was walking by a picture, and he saw Jesus carrying a cross. And then the inscription on the picture simply said this. It says, this is what I've done for you. What will you do for me? And, and he said that it just gripped him and it changed him. And he knew that he had all this wealth. So he started using his wealth to plant churches. He started using his wealth for missionary purposes. He started a prayer gathering at his house that ended up lasting for over a hundred years. And, and uh, at one point in his life, this is what he said. And I, I just think the statement is so true. He said, I have but one passion. It is he. It is he alone. The world is the field and the field is the world. And henceforth, that country shall be my home. Where I can be most used 
in winning souls for Christ. I desire only to preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Like, don't miss those words. I want to be most used. I want to be where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. I desire only to preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And what would life be like if that's how all of us live? If somebody said, what are you going to do with your life? If you said, I'm going to preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Most people would say, that's a tragedy. Jesus would say, no, that's a triumph. So I want to encourage us. Let's preach the gospel. Let's die. And let's be forgotten. Let's live out the words that Jesus calls us to live. Words like this that he said in John chapter 12. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. So what Jesus is saying is those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for this life in this world will keep it for eternity. That if I, if I love my life, I'll end up losing it. But if I lose my life for Christ, I'll actually keep it for all of eternity. And then he goes on to say this in the book of Matthew. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So the bottom line is Jesus says, come to me and die. Don't waste your life. Use it. And you might say, okay, Josh, how do I do that? Well, this is where I want to turn it over to, to our other pastors across all of our campuses. And they're going to challenge us and help us to understand how we can go from not wasting our life but actually investing it. There's a great scripture that helps us understand this further and it comes from Matthew 25 and what's happening in this story uh, is Jesus is telling a story. Uh, it's what they call a parable in the Bible which is just a metaphorical story and it does a great job of illustrating what we're trying to get across today. Uh, it says this. I'm going to read a little bit of it, and I'm going to also uh, tell a little bit at the same time. So there's this man, and he's going on this long trip. And he's a wealthy man. He's got uh, some great possessions. He's got a lot of money. Like, everything's good for him. He's going away for a while. So what he does is he gathers three of his servants to come to him. And the man looks at his three servants, and he actually gives them something, which is where we pick up. It says he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. So this man, he's gone for a long time. He spends a long time away. And during that time, the different servants, they go and do things with the money. The, the first guy, it says this, 
The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more bags of silver. Uh, and when the man returned after a long period of being away, he sat uh, there and went, okay, what'd you do with that bag of money, that bag of silver? The man tells him, and he looks at that man, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, then the, the guy with the, the, the two bags of silver, the servant with two bags of silver, also went to work and earned two more. So when the man came back from his long trip, he sat with that servant and goes, what did you do with it? told him, and he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. But then you have the third guy who had one bag of silver. It says this in verse 18, but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Well, when the man returned, he didn't say, well done, my good and faithful servant. What he said was, you wicked and lazy servant. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. You see, the, the man had given these uh, investments into these servants. Two of them did what was right. Two of them succeeded with it, and one of them did not. In the same way with all of us, Jesus gives us gifts. He invests in us. And he has gone away and he's going to come back at some point. And he's going to say, what did you do with your life? And we're going to have to account for that. And that's big because, like I said, he's, he's invested in us. Just like they were given the bags of silver, we've been given things as well. We've been given time, gifts, money, opportunities, talents, passions. We have been given a lot by God. And if I could summarize what God has given us in a short sentence, it'd be this. God has given us a life to live. Unfortunately for a lot of people, I think what's happened to them is that the American dream has actually turned into the American nightmare. Where you wake up each morning, you get up, you go to work, you get home from work, you hang out with your kids a little bit, maybe make dinner, watch TV for a couple of hours, and you're like, man, I need to get to bed because I know I got a busy day tomorrow. And you get into bed and you go, man, I really don't like my life. So you start dreaming about what you're gonna do tomorrow or next week or next year, or, uh, five years from now or later in your life. And you're like, oh, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna do all these different things. Eventually, as you're dreaming about all these different things that you want to do, you fall asleep. And guess what happens? You wake up the next day and you do the same thing over again. It's a life that we don't want to live. And what we're searching for is this incredible, adventurous life where you find what matters, you find purpose, you find this something more that you have been desiring. And I want you to know today that that incredible adventurous life is there for you. We can all experience it. And I'm not trying to give you some Tony Robbins, Gary V, E.T., the hip-hop preacher who uh, you know, said, if you want to succeed as badly as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful type of motivational speech. That's not my goal behind this conversation that we're having right now. Because I don't have to give that. The, the reality is God has already said, here you go. Here's everything that you need. All you got to do is do something with it. 
We don't need this massive motivation because it's right there in front of us. It is just one step of faith. But you might be saying, I I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can take that step. I don't know if I can take that leap. You might not believe it, but God does. That's why he's given you what you need. He sees you. He notices you. He knows what you need. He knows what you're asking for. He knows what your skills are. Because he wants to see you succeed. And if you look at your life, you might say, like, Clay, it just feels like I have a bunch of trivial skills, skills that don't actually matter. I believe trivial skills can turn into life-changing skills when they are paired with purpose. If you just say, okay, God, I hear what you're trying to do. I'm going to lean into it. Because God, he didn't create you with the gifts that you have on accident. It wasn't like, oh, here's a little sugar, here's a little spice, a little everything nice. Oh, and you're accidentally super good at drums. God doesn't work that way. Like, he is giving that gift of, of musicianship so you can help people find what matters through creating an awesome worship experience. You might have the gift of a good smile. You might have the gift of of hanging with kids or hanging with students. You might have the gift of hospitality. You can use all of those gifts to bring him glory. You can use that with a purpose. Like if you're, you're, you're sitting here, you might be like, my gift is hospitality. I can make a charcuterie board better than anybody else in this room. Well, then go make that charcuterie board, right? Like get people in your house, host them, help them know that they are loved and cared about. We all have all this potential in us. God has put it there. All we have to do now is go do something with it. Now, is that hard? Yes. I'm not going to act like that's not a difficult thing at times, right? Because potential means nothing if you don't put the work in, right? You still have to go to work at it. You still have to work your craft. You still have to develop your skills to be better. But you have to at least at this point say, okay, I have been invested in, and now I'm going to go do something with that. So as you do a mental note of what gift God has given you, where are you investing for him? Are you taking those gifts and talents and are you multiplying it? Are you using it? Are you allowing it to gain interest? Or have you just buried those gifts? Have you just put them in the ground because you're going, that's the safe option? People oftentimes don't do what don't meet their potential because either they don't have enough respect for what God uh, wants them to do because maybe they just haven't taken that step to follow Jesus yet. Or, and I think this is more likely, there's fear. The fear of the risk, the fear of what could happen if I do this. And that's unfortunate because If you look at a majority of people at the end of their lives, if they are interviewed and say, what's your biggest regret? Almost all of them say, I didn't take more chances. But I don't think that's a problem that happens just at the end of life. I think that's a thing that compounds over time. I I hang out with a lot of this gen, middle school, high school, young adults, and I spend a lot of time with them. And I see a lot of them living a life of regretting not taking chances because what happens is they are so afraid of making the wrong decision that they won't make a decision, right? And because of that risk, like, oh, if I, if I don't make the decision, I'm not going to make the wrong one. 
So I'm going to delay on making a decision about my school or inviting someone to a small group because I'm afraid of what that will happen with our relationship or maybe it's a, it's a fear of a, a career decision or where you want to live or who you should be dating and anything like that. And what that often leads to is a moment of regret afterwards because you recognize you missed your opportunity. And that happens when you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. We have opportunities every single day. We have to capitalize on them. Like I'm, I'm 29 years old and I can look back on my life even at this semi-young age before I turn 30. And I can think about like 20 different things that I regret in my life where I wonder what if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? What if I would have taken that chance? And I hate that I feel that way because I can look back on those different moments and I can say, Clay, you had all the potential in the world, but potential doesn't matter if you don't put it into play. You could be the best athlete in your school, but if you're not on the team, you're not getting in the game, right? You could have all the potential in the world, but if you're not on the team saying, all right, I'm ready to get on the field, it's not gonna matter. A lot of people don't even get into the game because they're afraid of the risk, but I gotta ask you, what's actually riskier? Making that leap, taking that step of faith, doing what you feel like you're supposed to do, or thinking about for the rest of your life, what if I would have done that? Maybe another way I could say this is, what's riskier, doing what God wants you to do or not? You say it that way, it becomes pretty clear what the right answers are. And as you break down the risk, the reality is the risk isn't really a risk when you consider the returns. Look at the two options. One is almost always going to be better than the other, even if it seems riskier at first. There's a song that came out in about 2010, and it was uh, one of the first Christian rap songs that kind of made a little mainstream noise and uh, kind of made an impact on culture. And um, we were talking about it. It's our student ministry series title called Don't Waste Your Life. And it's by Lecrae. And like in 2007, 2008, Christian rap stunk. Um, in 2010, it was kind of like the first one, like, oh, this song kind of like, this, this song kind of goes. Like, this is a good song. So we were talking about it in the office this week, me and a couple of our other pastors, and uh, we played it. And, you know, it, it sounds like a song from 2010. It, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a decent song. Uh, but as I was looking at the lyrics, I was like, man, that describes the risks that people actually take. And I feel like most likely a regret. Um, I'm going to read these lyrics. I'm, I know I just played bass just a second ago. I'm not going to rap these lyrics. Uh, Crispy Clay is in the past, all right? <laughs> if you don't know about that, please don't ask any of our staff members about that. But I did make $23 on iTunes, okay? <laughs> Big money. So this is what this song says. It, it it's really, really sums up the issue. It says, your life isn't wrapped up in what you drive, the clothes you wear, the job you work, the color of your skin, know you're a Christian first. People get to living for a job, make a little money, start living for a car, give them a wife, a house, kids, and a dog. 
then they retire, they're living high on the hog. But guess what? They didn't ever really live at all. To live is Christ, and that's Paul I recall. To die is gain, so for Christ we give it all. All those materialistic things in life, they will leave you feeling empty. And when you hear that, when you read that, we talk about the verses that we talked about earlier, you hear this, to die is gain, it feels like you gotta take this massive step today. You gotta make this drastic decision, you gotta do something big. No, it's not what it really means. What we're talking about today is saying, take that life that you desire, that life that you've been thinking through, that life that you've been wrestling with, and say, okay, God, I'm gonna die to my sinful desires. I'm gonna give it up, and I'm going to live for you. And you're gonna live for him in the middle of your circle of influence. Because everybody has a circle of influence. It might look different, it might be different, but you got a circle of influence. It might be your school. It might be your job. It might be your home. It might be the practice field. It might be the shop that you work at with some other guys to work on your cars. It might be your gym. It might be that group of moms that you hang out with. It might be your knitting group. I don't know what your circle of influence is, but I do know that you have one. Utilize it to help people find what matters. Use the investment that God has given to you and utilize it to bring him glory. But what that means is that you're gonna have to take the risk. You know, there's the, the quote, uh, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And on face value, that's fine quote, yes. But if you were to really look at that, I think sometimes people use that as, as an excuse to not go out there and tell someone about Jesus. It's like, if I just stand here and I, I look like a good Christian for long enough, surely they'll notice, maybe. But if you have the courage to get into a conversation with them because they're in your circle of influence, because they know you, because they care about you, because you do life together, they're going to be more receptive to you saying, hey, I'm going to tell you about something that happened in my faith recently. And that's your opportunity. You have to use what God has given you. You have to make a difference. You have to decide that I am not going to waste what has been given to me, but I'm going to use it to bring him even more glory. Two of the servants did that. They made that decision that they are going to go and make their master more money, but one said, I'm not gonna risk it. I'm gonna take the easy way out and I'm going to bury my talents and I don't want that for you. Because at the end of the days, we're gonna be standing there with Jesus. And he's gonna say, what did you do with your life? What did you do? And then I think he might ask another harder question. Because if you don't know the story of Jesus, it is this. That we were created with God. God created us and life was meant to be perfect. It was meant to be awesome. And then we were sinful and we pushed God away. We said, God, I don't want anything more to do with you. I'm going to try to do things my way. And that separated us from him. And because of that, there is nothing that we could do to get ourselves back to him. It didn't matter how nice of a car we drove. It didn't matter how nice our house was. It didn't matter uh, how good of a, a Christian family we looked like we were on Instagram. There's nothing that we could do to get back to him. So Jesus 
came down from heaven to earth, lived 30 perfect, 33 perfect years here on the cross, uh, on this earth, and then died on the cross for each and every single one of our sins to take the punishment that we actually deserve so that we could then look at him and say, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you. And because we choose to follow him, we can have eternal life. When we make that decision, we have a responsibility to go share that story with other people, to share that experience with other people. So yeah, I, I think Jesus is gonna say, what did you do with your life? But I think he might ask another question. And I think he might ask, what did you do with my life? The life I sacrificed for you. And I'm looking in this room and I'm talking for myself and I'm talking for every one of us. I don't want you to waste your life. I don't want to waste my life. But I really don't want to waste Jesus' life. So don't waste it. Make the decision today that you are going to go and make a difference so that people can find what matters. And that's him. I'm gonna challenge us to respond that way. And in just a moment, we're gonna sing some more songs. And here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do. If you guys wanna go ahead and stand with me. We are going to go into this time and we're gonna have communion up here at the front. And maybe today is a day that you're gonna say, I'm gonna take communion. I'm gonna remember Jesus' death on the cross. Maybe you've been going, man, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. You've been wrestling. You've been talking about it with your spouse. And you're just going, what do I do? Or maybe you felt this calling and you felt like, man, like I feel like God has been telling me I need to do this. And you're going, I don't know what my next step is. Well, we got people at the Connect Corners that would love to connect with you, to pray with you, to talk to you, to help you. Maybe today is the day you're going to take the step of baptism. We had several people make that decision today and go from death to life and say, I'm starting a brand new life today and I'm not wasting it. Maybe you're just going to worship God. So God, I'm going to give you all my glory right here in this room. And then when I leave this room, I'm going to do the same thing and I'm going to help as many people as possible. Help them find you. Don't waste your life. Don't waste this moment. Don't waste today. Jesus, we're grateful for you. Help us to not waste our lives. Help us to help as many people as possible find you. But we love you.